I would throw in uh, a, a dash of intensity in, in the discussion and I will quote myself or tell a tiny story about myself. The thing is, when I did meditate maybe for eight years and I had like very intense peak experiences and I thought myself to be very clever and smart, we're now in my mid-twenties, right? I became very painfully actually aware that just me having these enlightening, peakness, oneness, Godhead, Kundalini, whatever, let's say, extraordinary experiences did not make my life functional, which is why I very consciously, after having read Ken Wilber and diving a little bit into the literature, started to complement my meditative practice with psychotherapy. So this is a long story, but the, let's say, intensity that I want to throw into the room in between the three of us, that almost my hypothesis would be that if you only meditate, even if you apply various meditation techniques, you can be very highly enlightened, but not necessarily be very functional. So it seems that the wisdom and the beauty and the richness of all these sometimes thousands of years old techniques can't really touch upon a part what we would call like the shadow of the psyche or trauma and something like that. And um, yeah, I'm just curious to listen in uh, where you have also, yeah, made some of these experiences in your tradition or in the various traditions that you touched on and what would your recommendations be to that? Felix. Yeah. I mean, as, as mentioned, I have been practicing meditation mainly in, um, in the tradition of, of Zen, both the Japanese and, and Korean. And there, of course, I had the opportunity to, to observe it um, both outside and also in, within myself that um, the, 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 form, the forms of the practice um, and, and the meditation um, yeah, don't, don't address a lot of the things that I feel important um, in, in my life um, beyond meditation emotions you mentioned um being being functional relating to other people and maybe this is part part of the reason is that uh, meditation practices were um yeah were, were conducted mainly in in monastic contexts and there you had a certain um, intensity and everybody was under one one roof and everybody can see each other all the time and then you had a close relationship with um, a teacher master what have you and there are a lot of a lot of things could be included within the context of of that monastery or that that practice practice community now especially becoming lay 
or having meditation as a, as a lay phenomenon, secular phenomenon, it becomes difficult because meditation, um, yeah, as you mentioned, doesn't address psychological aspects, particularly um, aspects of the psychology of modern, modern individualistic people. And yeah, from, from my own experience, it, I also did um, some psycho, psychotherapy, but for me, it mainly showed up in, in the question of how, how am I connected with my heart? And I mentioned, mentioned that I then turned or brought in um, prayer and, and heart meditation. And I've, interestingly, I didn't get to, to the meta, to the love and kindness meditation of Buddhism, but had another tradition um, supplementing that aspect of my meditation practice, which is from coming from Zen, very, very minimalistic. And it's just looking at the mind, looking, looking at, at the self. And with that, not really having a good vehicle to look at psychological stuff because the focus is mainly on what is below or beyond the psych psychological. So rec recommendation is, if you ask me, yeah, it is to complement the meditation practice or have a look at whether the med meditation practice, the tradition that you're engaged in, have a lot of intersubjective relational aspect, the more feminine qualities of, of being. And yeah, don't, don't become too rigid in, in your meditation practice. So that would be a good indicator first when to complement it and then how to. Nicholas. I am currently in a meditation and study retreat um, with Stephen, with some like Stephen Bachelor and his wife. So some of the old Jedi masters of meditation. And I'm also in one of the largest libraries for kind of meditation and kind of contemplative books. And it's a really beautiful space that smells like library. Um, I would not say that it smells nice, but it smells like library, um, which kind of brings me to why do we meditate, you know, is to have a richer, deeper life. And if we look at the life of the Buddha, I think 600 years before Christ, at the same time with Socrates, right? Meditation was a part of the teaching. And in some ways, it, um, in some ways, he was one of the most successful cognitive psychologists or therapists at the time. You know, he looked at what are the problems of people at the time and then answered in their own way and, you know, in their own language with sometimes more stories than anything else. Um, so which is, let's move on. Like if we look at the, 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 the history of meditation traditions, it's always like 
delving going between theory and practice for example some go went too cognitive or too much too much in the brain too much theoretical and then like in china and then out of that chan developed that was kind of a more let's get back to practice kind of tradition that from this on zen developed you know so in some ways we always have this dichotomy between oh we should we should be more on the brainy side and and listen go to the theory of it and then see how what is the ethical life and so on and there's also the practice approach of it where you say okay if you don't practice it it's not worth it um so the joy of meditation is kind of this is you go inside and if you really look into a room full of you know meditators it might look like super calm but if you if you would look into the minds of the people it would be more like a like a boxing match that they have with themselves you know so it's like a silent boxing place where many different boxing matches are happening in the same time so only through or with meditation we you can kind of get to a to a baseline or really understand hey where am i right now and you can sometimes go even underneath it something that in yogic tradition we call niroda parinama kind of i'm I'm going through the washing machine of going through a space where actually I can see my thoughts, you know, I can see the roots of my thoughts, but I don't identify with them. And that in deep training can give you to really altered states. But in everyday life, what happens here is you can get faster to baseline. You can get faster into that, that, that state where you can like that capacity to realize Am I actually above the line? Am I open to receive right now? Or am I below the line? And below the line, I am, if I work a lot, I'm often below the line, which means that I answer then from a place where I'm, my heart is closed, where I actually am just from, talk from my ego and I take decisions that are not so nice, you know? And so meditation helps me in the everyday life to get faster to baseline or to even locate myself am i below or, or you know above and that i think is is the contribution of this practice and if i wouldn't train i would be more often below the line and just entering drama cycles again again and again so it kind of helps me to get out of it but in order to to live a successful life i don't think that's enough I don't think meditation is enough. I don't even think like, you know, reading theory and 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 contemplating it is enough, you know. Sometimes it's a, it's a therapy, other times it's it's a, it's a coaching and I think above all it's training how to be with humans. So relational competences um that make a successful beautiful life.